0: It's like oh here we go Mark and off it's, again it's with your Mark being yeah <laughs> yeah so you know that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air and it's like therapy you know if I can't talk to my family about this stuff I'll talk.
2: So if you look at the patents for TV, the way that it works for the mind control, yeah. which you can look up. I don't know the patent for sure, but I've looked at it. Yes. And it's sending light emissions mm-hmm. to send programming, subliminal programming. So if you could see it, you're literally probably seeing like light frequencies flashing
3: yeah maybe i'm seeing something like that yeah
2: so that's what i would say it could
3: be and you know what guys doesn't even have to be as sinister as like they're trying to kill you it could just literally be like they figured out these patents or whatever and they just got to sell you shoes or something you know what i mean
2: well if you go to like light is frequency and light affects your moods and it affects who you are And, you know, we have all this technology, this 5G and stuff like that. These frequencies are beaming it at people. Of course, it's going to affect it. And the higher we go in terms of, like, Wi-Fi and, Mm -hmm. you know, we go from 4G to 5G, Mm -hmm. the more pressure we're putting on our bodies and ourselves. So, of course, we're going to start to feel like shit if we're getting hit with, like, beams of light that our human body isn't programmed to. We're not supposed to be exposed to these yep. frequencies right. at this and level amount, exactly. all the time.
4: All day long.
2: When you're asleep, your Wi-Fi is still on. It's still hitting you. You get zero reprieve.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, it's an experiment to myself. I'm not here to red pill anybody. In fact, I hide my beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Clint and Sam, I wouldn't even be talking on podcast about this shit. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, enough people are our eyes are open i was always in the closet about this stuff like this is the kind of stuff i'd be like turn off your phone we'll go in the back yeah and i would like talk to people years ago you know i was a um i don't get too much into it but i was uh under the towers of 9-11 and um covered in the dust and all that shit and um wow yeah so i my eyes were open even before that but when i when i realized that when i realized that Everyone was lying to me. Like they were literally telling me and putting me in therapy, telling me I saw something different than I saw. I just kept my mouth shut and just kept it moving. And then, like five years later, YouTube or whatever it comes or however many years it was comes around, and there's all these documentaries and other officials saying the same thing I was saying. That literally got me put into mm. people like nah, that's not what happened. I'm like, I saw. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. But whatever.
5: Addicts of drugs
3: not yet synthesized,
2: black marketeers of
4: World War III,
3: excisers of telepathic sensitivity,
4: osteopaths of spirit, investigators of infractions denounced by land paranoid
0: chess players.
3: What is going on, my freaks, geeks, and free thinkers? This is Mike Romanelli.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and on today's episode, I would like to present several different interviews that took place on the Freethinkers Society podcast. I've actually been on the Freethinkers Society podcast about, I think, 10 times. I really love Mike and Clint. They are excellent dudes. Mike's been nothing but hospitable to me every time I visited his restaurant Tiff's and the dojo, of course, which is co-owned by my boss and friend, Sam Tripoli. So if you're in the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, maybe even Delaware, uh, Rhode Island might be a, a hike. But if you're within reach of New Jersey, I definitely recommend you take a drive down to the dojo next time Sam's in town. It's a nice comedy room, not too big. So there is always a chance to meet Sam after the show and, you know, Mike and and Sam own the place. So it's, you know, Mike owns the place, but you know, there's no, nobody's going to be kicking anybody out and, and everybody who works there is, is cool. So it's, it's honestly the best place on the East Coast to see Sam Tripoli live. I know he loves Florida, but I would say the dojo is the best place. And not just Sam. If you like comedy, go down and check them out. Rich Voss is going to be at the dojo this month, the month of December. And again, I've been on the show like 10 or something times. So what I decided to do here today is... Instead of just shoving all 10 episodes into one episode, that would be nuts. I decided to take certain clips from each uh, of my interviews. Not all of them hit the cutting room floor. Like I said, there were some audio issues on the Bruce Taurus episode and also one of the podcasts that I did with Rain. But I actually did end up putting uh, Rain and I's conversation with Mike in there. 'Cause that was a great one. So go over to the Freethinkers Society podcast as soon as possible. Right now, hit the link in the episode description. Subscribe. Hit Mike up at Freethinkers TV on Instagram. Let them know you heard him on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy show. And yeah, go out there. Go on there, YouTube, check me out. You could see some some uh exclusive footage of your boy in studio podcasting. It's a it's a whole nother experience when you're talking to people in person and recording it. It's not easy. It definitely comes with a different set of difficulties than these zoom conversations do. So this is kind of a mix of both. Whenever I get a chance to join them in the studio, I like to drive down there. It's not too far for me, but then there's also times when, you know, I've had Mike on my show and, and he's had me host episodes of his show when Clint's not around. So I basically feel like, uh, you know, part of the team over there at the dojo. And obviously, working for Sam, it makes sense. And I'm happy to present this to you guys to consume and love and enjoy. So please subscribe to the Freethinkers Society podcast with Mike Romanelli, Clint Esposito, and many, many, many fabulous guests and co hosts, including myself. So, first things first, today on the lineup, we're going to go straight to my first conversation with Mike and Clint, episode 33, curiously enough, of the Freethinkers Society podcast. And we talked about Crowley. This part is towards the end of the conversation, so definitely go back and listen to the whole thing to get the whole reference. And, uh, yeah, I'll be jumping in periodically here in the now to give you a little heads up that the conversation shifted. That way you're not just listening to... One combined uh, version of six separate conversations. So we'll hear from this episode and then I'll see you guys back on the other side in about uh, six minutes.
3: You look at Crowley and then you look look at Tesla. Tesla is a truther's god in a way, right? Any truther like loves Tesla and every occultist loves Tesla. Or occultist or dark arts loves Crowley. Both died in destitute. Both died like drug addicts in some hotel room with these papers. It's very interesting. The two of them were these like figureheads that one is light, one is dark. And they both have these like. And this, I am just fucking Tesla spitballing. Tesla over, overdosed? I don't know if he overdosed on fentanyl. You no. said that, not me. I, no. What? But he died in the <laughs> <fentanyl>. hotel <room. laughs> He died in the hotel room, for sure. Yeah, no, he lost... Uh, and he had no he money, and both of them were died w. broke, Man. and nobody cared about them. And, and my point is that both of those two is like, one is light, one is dark, and it's very interesting that both, like, those are the two, like, almost... I don't know what you call you call I don't want to say the word, but like messiahs, we'll call them on both mm-hmm. sides, right? And it's very yeah. interesting. But and you they said occult died.
4: isn't really negative. Well,
3: uh, well, Mark, isn't doesn't occult just mean hidden knowledge? Well, I I definitely you know oh, I'm gonna look it up against right now, you, but you, Mike.
0: I think, I think I think diagrams are important, but I wouldn't put it in that dichotomy where like Tesla was purely this and Crowley was purely that. I think you know individuals. Our individuals, and we all have our flaws as human beings. And I think, like I said earlier, Crowley was pervert. Nikola Tesla's occult, right? So you're right. Yeah, it's hidden. A, it's it a cult, is but all, I'm, I'm Tesla's up right interacting. Now. All
3: it means is supernatural, supernatural, or magical or mystical beliefs. That's all occult means.
0: Now, but here's the thing: now you can interact with the occult. In two different ways, like you're saying, Crowley interacted with the occult in an egotistical way. I want to get things from this, I want to be powerful from this. Whereas Tesla was like, I want to create power, I want to build powerful things. What's I want to I'm, give I'm, power to others, to the people. And that's where you but have this. But it's interesting, split. those
3: are the two. F- like like figureheads it's very interesting that where we're well, at there's right more now. there's
0: more people but yeah those yeah. are definitely two notable people and i would say you know i don't know if their li- their timelines uh line up so much because tesla was dead i think before world war Two, or or sometime after world war ii whereas crowley lived until the 60s which is why he was such a big influence on all those folks in the 60s as well as acid and all those other things but <laughs> i think you know this is just the tip of the iceberg man i mean episode 33 talking about crowley we got to get into more occult stuff on the free thinkers podcast i'd love to so is rolling rock and occult uh, beer
3: so oh, move on. oh
0: dude all symbols all listen all symbols that you see in any business this meme magic what that means is there are certain images that your brain sees and associates with certain ideas and the horse that's used on the rolling rock uh bottle right they use a horse yeah. on there or at least they, they yeah, yeah they some or of something. their designs that's a that's an ancient symbol i mean the horse is pretty obvious how you know it's a powerful animal it's very utilitarian it's gotten humans further in our abilities to travel long distances and they're just spectacular animals so yeah i think absolutely they're using occult symbols in nearly any corporate logo you find but i think also that doesn't mean that every corporation is occult. that just means that those artists that they hired to make their logo were like oh yeah this would be cool and i think that that also i'm being disingenuous because there are certain corporations who are like hey we need this in our logo to kind of give the wink and the nod so but the occult like mike said is anything hidden and and you know you can interact with it like tesla and use the power to build something i I just
3: checked it out real quick just just to go for it so tesla was born in 1865 died in 1943 crowley was born in 1875 died in 1947 so they are at the same timeline 10 years off
0: oh okay so they're Sorry from the same that.
3: they're from the same timeline Wait, no, 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 no no i'm not sure like it, i said man. it's I not mean, a gotcha I'm the, thing. I'm the young guy here so no it's I not a gotcha it thing better. it's never gonna be a gotcha thing it just it literally came to me while we were having this conversation we weren't even supposed to have this conversation i'm almost scared to to put this out there because i don't want any of our followers to think we went too dark <laughs> we just having a you guys want no, real? but this th- you want real thing. conversations. This is a real conversation. This is, this is literally our conversation. Yes, this is our conversation. Let me
0: let me explain uh, on why people shouldn't take this as a, if they're still with us and they didn't like throw their phone out their yeah, car window please or something don't do that. like you need to understand the enemy to be able to conquer yes, your, enemy, your enemy. right so and and we're in a spiritual war like yes. sam says yes you know, like people are constantly telling you that you're living in a material universe mm-hmm. life means nothing because you're spinning yeah. on a tiny you little you only ball, live once <laughs> you know and and yeah you only live once yeah. and all these other bullshit ideas and the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is look into this stuff like the occult you see that themes there's patterns and patterns the main pattern pattern. that learned is that human beings don't have one life we have many lives and there is an ongoing process of evolution that we're all taking consciously to make our humanity better and with that i mean i hope that's cool a cool positive way to understand like that the occult isn't really a bad thing it's just you know a whole set of ideas that are not publicly known. Bro. All right. Welcome back. Definitely an interesting time in my life talking about Crowley a lot last year. Obviously, due to my explosively popular episode of Tinfoil Hat, episode 377. If you haven't listened to it, go back. One of the only guests in Tinfoil Hat history to argue with Sam and, uh, And successfully so, because Sam and I love each other and we're still bros. So it was not a uh, bad argument. Uh, There's others that have, but, you know, it was all love. Sam and I are friends. Anyways, then, now, next, we're going to hear from a conversation that I had with Mike Romanelli, Clint Esposito, and their guest, Chrissy Mayer. That's right. Chrissy Mayer was on the Freethinker Society podcast, and I had really great great question for her about feminism so let's get into
3: this one and i'll see you guys on the other side of this clip there's a lot of like these yogis and stuff that all of a sudden like my meditation teacher she is so down the rabbit hole that i have to i gotta pull her up she's this older indian woman and like she's so deep into pizzagate and all that stuff right now where i'm like just come back like you're the you were my yeah, yeah yeah so it's i feel like some of the content that you've been putting out you're 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 getting there, right? I mean, you're on more of the positive side, right? And you're starting to see law of yes. attraction. you have to that, be.
5: Right? You have to be positive. Like, I didn't have, like, a... I don't know. Even before I was red-pilled, like, I've always been, like... I feel better when I'm being positive. Like, I didn't... You know, I didn't have, like, the worst childhood, but I definitely didn't have, like, the easiest childhood. It definitely wasn't, like, white privilege or anything like that. Like, didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Like, definitely, like, went... Th- it was hard, like, you know... I feel like I had to do my own work to like reverse the brainwashing from college and like wasted a lot of years, like just tricked into feminism. And like, just, I don't know, my 20s were so fucking hard, you know, and just like eh, having trouble keeping a job, having trouble making money. So I think what always has kept me going is like, yeah, my sense of humor and like, okay, I've always been able to make people laugh. And I've always been able to make other people like perk them up. So I always knew I had that skill. And it's just, you, you, you got to remember that. And sometimes it takes somebody reminding you, like you got to look on the bright side because your thoughts are so powerful. Just like we choose, like what to put in our bodies, like what to eat. It's like, your thoughts are the same way. Like you can let things go. Not everything you think has to live up there. You can let some things go, you Mm -hmm. know? And if, and if like these certain thoughts aren't serving you, like Mm -hmm. your thoughts are like, you know, your aim, you know, you got to make sure you're pointing in the right direction.
3: Yeah. Chrissy, as,
0: as an older brother to a younger sister, I'm wondering what you mean by tricked into feminism because I think that's something that, <clears throat> as a woman, a lot of female listeners would love for you to expand upon because I think that's really you know one of the themes I've noticed, that there is this kind of tricking women into a sort of radical feminism that doesn't serve mm. us as a society, as people who want to live in a healthy family i mean can you expand on that a little bit more chrissy and
5: it's and it's not like there's just one way to get tricked there's it's just there's so many holes to fall into like there's so many ways to get tricked into feminism and it and it has changed over the years like i remember being like maybe 13 14 15 years old and i really wanted to subscribe to like Bitch magazine, or I'd pick one up when I'd go to like a Barnes and Noble or like a Borders books or something. And I'd be like, Ooh, like sassy feminist literature. It would be like, instead of, you know, like Cosmo. And everybody gets into it like different ways. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some people get into feminism because they're not like the thin, popular girl Mm -hmm. in high school. Some people, and then they're like, Oh, I'm, and I, the more I talk about it, the more I feel like feminism is like a cultural it's a cult like it's a cultural justification for like lacking like love or validation or something and instead of like teaching women to be strong in the way that women I think are supposed to be strong it's like it's almost like you're teaching women to be strong by by saying hey like profit off of victimization which like in the last 15 years has like gone from like not only just women but like any ethnicity can can play this game if you're trans you can play this game it's like the the focus on like uh focus on being a victim and that's where you can get power from is so damaging and disgusting it's like no we should be teaching like men and women to be strong like in the ways they're not that it's all just biology but like yeah in the ways in their where their strengths already lie and then and so that like okay there's high school it it depends like even now i would say like kids going to high school now are probably more susceptible to like the feminist trap but for me like my age group like i went to college like 2001 to 2005 so that's where i got fell into it like i was gonna be a studio art minor and then like i don't know a class didn't go well and then i was like you know i'm gonna do women's studies (laughs) and just all my friends were you know, it's college. It's like you're. I was like 17 years old when I went to college, and you just don't know. You're a dry sponge. Yeah. And you're separated from your, your family, your support mm-hmm. group. You're, you're not always yeah. like you're not living in the same house mm-hmm. with these people. So mm-hmm. it's like you get ideas. You're not gonna check in with somebody at the dinner table and be like, Oh, I learned this in school today. It's like no, you're, you're at you got- college for tr- college for months. Like it's not gonna be months until maybe you get that college kid home and they're talking about what they learned. And at that point, it's like when you're in college, you pride yourself on like being smarter than your parents, or at least I did, you Mm -hmm. know, like my mom went to secretarial school. So I was like, I'm going to be better than her. And she wanted me to be better than me. She wanted all three of us kids to, to go to college. And yeah, I don't think any of us like found like make girlfriends or boyfriends in college. I think all three of me, my brother and sister all kind of had trouble, but like for different reasons, like my brother was kind of a nerd and my sister wasn't like a, a bitchy feminist like me. She just like was kind of an introvert, but, um, so it's an interesting process. Cause it's like, I even remember picking my college because I was like, wow, there's so many cute guys on this campus, <laughs> like thinking I'm going to get a boyfriend. Like not that I was thinking marriage, but I thought for sure I'm going to date. I'll like, I'm going to get a boyfriend, but like, and I ended up cutting my hair short for diving for springboard diving, not like out of being a feminist, but like it all kind of went together. Right. Plus I had like braces in college. So I was not what anybody wanted in college. I was not picked. And, um, maybe there was some of that missing some of that validation and uh, i was just like the perfect candidate for it like not a great relationship with my dad just you know kind of struggling without a support system in in college and it's a way to like justify your unhappiness because it's like oh it's not your fault oh it's the patriarchy it's like it's not xyz it's not that like you gained 15 pounds like it's it's the patriarchy that's why nobody wants to date you it's not like or just like you know there shouldn't be a ton of pressure on anybody in college to like you know date or get married or whatever but I just in all the literature everything was backing it up so and when that's who you're and your friends are all kind of yes anding it all your professors so it took me like really like, the rest of my 20s and my, like, I didn't start, yeah, I said, what, 2018 I started to come around? So, it was only three years ago. I'm 37 now. So, it's like, hmm. that's how much time I spent just knocking around in the real world enough to know, like, oh, like, feminism is is such a load of shit, because, like, the moment you need a shelf hung, you're like, come back! I didn't mean what I said! All right, hold up. Now.
3: I want to, I just, that was great, but I'm so happy that this came to this conversation, because... I, I truly believe, and I know that my guy friends love to fuck with me with this view, but I had a hard trip that made me really reevaluate feminism. And I believe just like all of it, it was something that was hijacked. And feminism needed to happen. However, it got hijacked, dirtied, and muddied. And oh, yeah. women did need to obviously take more power right there was a lot of things wrong however just like it all just like every fucking thing that happens here it got hijacked and it's now everything you were speaking on where true feminism is is claiming female power divine power which divine feminine energy which really is part of this new age of aquarius and the female rising however with all of this Mud- muddying it up feminism and, and all this bullshit that they're teaching us and especially women and getting mad and angry at the wrong things i truly believe that you know i had a really really hard hard psychedelic experience and it was actually the funny thing is is we could actually I, we could look up the date because it was when i was coming to is when the women's march was on and oh
5: my god how many days were you out
3: it was about a two-day trip the whole march No, this was uh, what 2000, It had to be around 16, right?
5: (laughs) I woke up with a pussy hat on. I don't know. Yeah, no, I woke
3: up and everyone had pussy hats on. (laughs) Um, but
5: you're right. It did get it did get hijacked. Like, I don't think it's healthy to teach my my unhealthy takeaways from feminism was like to hate hating men, default hating men, default not needing a man, like default like embrace being single because it's better than being paired up. And any woman who wants to like pursue being a stay at home mom, it's like that's weakness and strength yes, is from a career on, yes. and like oh and, and also too it's like i'm there i'm in college i'm like my parents are paying for this like i kind of should use this i should like have a career you know and then the women that would like go to college just to meet a guy and get married like those women were chastised yeah right and then
3: here's another thing like here's something that's interesting so if everything you just said right so why are why are feminist views why are we why are we so happy and, and and so excited when a man decides to become a woman and dominate in women's sports. To me, that every feminist should be against that. Yeah. Right? But
5: like, they've lumped like that's it all a, that's, together. Yeah, but exactly.
3: Yeah. I mean, come on. So you're saying it's okay for a dude to say, you know what? I want to win that trophy. So let me become a girl. And the feminists are behind it. I mean, come on, that's crazy. But
0: that, you know, that's just an extreme. I mean, even what Chrissy said previously of like, you know, encouraging women to not stay at home with their children, yeah. I mean, it, the psychological impact of that on the family unit, yes. on the children, I mean, it all fits into this state model of. This is how we co-opt your children away mm-hmm. from you and mm-hmm. completely indoctrinate mm. them, right? So I even keep... to
5: like not want kids, and then it's like, yeah, people get horny, they get knocked up, and right, the there's a lot of things in place that are gonna, you know, they want government to be your daddy, you know, whether yeah. it's like certain places where they put Planned Parenthoods, or mm-hmm. m- maybe certain things that are done to separate like black men from their families. Yeah. Oh, it's like you can be a single mom because like. You know we'll get money out of the baby daddy or you can get government support so it's like that's it you yeah I, obviously estate. you don't want to like force or pressure someone to stay with a guy that is like hurting them or toxic no. but i think there should be more like yeah maybe try to work it out like maybe we should try a little bit harder to work it instead of like glamorizing divorce and like glamorizing yeah. being a single mom
3: and gla- yeah and yes Yes. Glamorizing that whole, oh, you know. Well, you,
0: incentivizing you. it, too. I mean, the state it literally incentivizes it with their social programs. Yeah. And women, you know, speak to each other like, hey, you know, if you break up with your baby daddy, the state will give you a check every month. Like, that's the conversation that's being had because the oppression has left people at a level where they're like, yeah, I'll just go with what the state's given me. And that's exactly the hand that they want you to play because that's how they laid out the table, right? So I think... Chrissy, I really appreciate this point of view because I think a lot of women need to hear this message and understand that, yes, it is about empowering yourself, but not to the extreme where you disempower the family unit because that's that's so important to our, our society's health yeah mark
5: yeah and it's sad because there are a lot of women i think who deep down like they want to be moms like they want to stay home with their kids or they're like there's so many different combinations right there's like you know even me like right now i'm like oh god maybe it would be nice to have a kid but i'm like i don't think i make enough money like i don't even think me and my boyfriend together make enough money it's like there's it sucks that you have to think about that Mm -hmm. and like boomers had it the easiest because like they got they could buy a house for not that oh, yeah. much like they, they could get by did. like one with one parent working more so than mm-hmm. now and the
3: boomers fucked up a lot they really boomers, did. They man. did they did and, and it
5: that, sucks too it sucks that women there's a little bit brainwashing there like you just can't even have feminine traits like you to be nurturing is to be weak like to, is to such be coddling, such coddling right bullshit. you're a that fucking terrible person bullshit. if you want to make a sandwich for somebody you such
3: know? bullshit and and, and, and and is there something wrong, like you said, about hanging up a picture? No, there's nothing wrong. Sending men to go fight, if they're, which I'm against war, but if there's a war, to send them out there to go hunt. There's nothing wrong. That's who we are. You know what I'm saying? Like I like my, my views go so extreme where I know Tommy G and these guys, say, oh, you fucking pussy. But I really believe women should lead the world. I, I, the, the mother. The, if you look at it, it's like the, it's the mother. Like I think women should be the leaders of this world, and the men should be the fighters. And, the, and I know that sounds so. To my guy friends, it sounds so. You're, you're, you're so gay, man. And are such a beta. And to yeah. yeah, and to the chicks, it's like you know what? The, but just think about it. Like, I, I, back in the Egyptian times when things were thriving, like women definitely led, and we we're probably way more advanced than we were today you know like, true you know like true it's
5: like you say that I think about my brother like my brother got an engineering degree he's a civil engineer and then just since the pandemic like just in the last year has quit his job and is now a full-time stay-at-home dad which is something I never saw coming but i look at my sister-in-law and she's like a boss like she she yeah. works for like one of the video game companies and and like yeah i look at the two of them I go okay like of the two of them like i think not that she's not nurturing but my brother is like just as you know very much into that like well mm-hmm. i think because he wants to be the opposite of my dad to be totally honest i mm-hmm. think he wants to just be like a fucking awesome dad totally be there <laughs> totally and that. they they okay. worked out the math they were like you know what like after all they spend on child care they're like it just made more sense yeah. you know
3: i, get, I really him that, to stop yes.
5: working so mm-hmm. i was like oh man that's like you hear that you go ah oh, he's like a beta but you know what like he made a a decision that's going to benefit his family he put his kids first so I'm like that's pretty cool and if they you know if it works out for them and she'd rather kind of be working and yeah and if he's cool with it and if it doesn't make his dick shrink you know what i mean like if <laughs> yeah. he's feeling fine about it, it he'll just, never listen to this which is why I it's funny
3: that. though it's just, just like these labels and these things and if you say certain things it just fucks people up but yeah i mean like my 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 views on things and how i I, I don't want to upset anyone too much but yeah like i truly believe that with this new age of aquarius coming it's going to be female divine feminine energy is definitely rising Uh, it was ruled by male energy for a while and we are definitely in this weird we did a great job mix up or just saying yeah.
5: I know.
0: Are you <laughs> saying you had a good run? Clint's, Clint's one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, the trophy's going to be
3: hung in the
4: gymnasium. We did such a good job. I mean, it <laughs> the was a long run, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, shit's going to get all weird. It's, that's, a, that's a problem with like, just everyone mudding the waters. All
0: right, welcome back. That was a great conversation with Chrissy Mayer. Definitely go back and listen to the whole conversation because, again, that was towards the end. I included a part where I asked the question. On to the next episode with Ryan Bledsoe. He's been a guest on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. He's been on the Freethinker Society podcast several times. And he's been on Tinfoil Hat as well as Zero, Sam's Spiritual podcast. And in this Freethinker Society podcast, Ryan and I got to know each other a bit. This is my first time speaking with him on a podcast. So here we go into Ryan Bledsoe explaining how the Discovery Channel got involved with his family and the MUFON case that they filed.
6: Yeah, so the Discovery Channel got involved, and we later found out the director of MUFON was a CIA plant. That was a whole thing, and they... I think I told you this on the phone, how Mm -hmm. they, like... Pretty much did these deceptive editing tactics and and pretty much told the world we were liars. For anybody that wants to uh, catch up on that, it's called UFOs Over Earth. It came out in 2008. Chris Bledsoe, that's my father. But I'll kind of recap the story. So, you know, I'm in middle school at the time, man. I'm 13. I'm not Mm -hmm. thinking about like beings of light and all this crazy crap. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about. You girls like me, you know, just like normal <laughs> yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait to come home and play Xbox 360, <laughs> dude. Like I'm not thinking this existential crap. No 13 year old in that day was, you know, mm-hmm. and I get off the school bus one day and my grandfather was my next door neighbor. We, we built a property on his, he had like a six acre lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we were literally, our houses were almost touching nice. I like and that. I get off the school bus. I go to visit my grandma and my grandpa. And at the time, one of my brothers was in high school, my sister was in elementary school, and then my oldest brother, Chris Jr., was out of school. So I was in this weird spot where it was like for an hour, I was home alone at 13, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I would go hang out with my grandpa next door and, and watch The Young and the Restless because my grandma just loved it. And I get there that day and I walk in and my grandpa says, have you talked to your dad, boy? And I said, no. He called me boy. He's real old Southern yeah. man, you know? I love that. He's like, you know, boy, your daddy's smoked some dope and seen some boogerman last
3: night.
6: (laughs) I'm like, what? And my dad gets home at some point and I run over there to talk to my dad and he's telling me like, I saw these beings in the woods last night and I saw these lights in the sky. So that's how I found out. And I'm going to tell you like, you know, actually what happened. My dad, he used to be this, Really w- well-respected businessman in the town. He had like a multi-million-dollar construction company. He got really sick. He had Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. which is actually incurable. At least, you know, I don't know if they've come out with new cures, but it was it was incurable at the time. Mm-hmm. Debilitating. He could only eat certain things, and it really messed um, you know, messed with his schedule a lot. And throwing the stress of managing this huge company on there would make his Crohn's flare up, and his anxiety got so bad that he just, like, he couldn't handle the business anymore. And I'm paraphrasing there. He, he had a near-death experience because of a nasty mix of toxic medications, oh, wow. flare-ups from the Crohn's anxiety. Like, he was pretty much declared dead in a hospital bed. Wow. And, you know, about a year after that, maybe two years, we are in a rough spot, and we move out to my grandpa's property, and dad is just, like, at the end of his rope, man. He's just, like, ready to give up. He's ready to die. And he basically takes my brother and these three guys fishing out in the Cape Fear river, deep in the woods, man, deep South, you know?
5: Yeah.
6: So miles out into the wilderness, kind of, I mean, there's like trailers out there and stuff, but I'm just saying like, you're not seeing this from the road. Yeah. Super dark back in there. And they're in this little kind of like, I say the word cul-de-sac, but it's not a neighborhood. This is in the woods. Okay. So imagine you drive about half a mile into the woods on a dirt road, you're on this little cove that's like a circle, kind of like a cul-de-sac shape on a massive river. And they're just down in there fishing. And my dad is just like, you know, I guess he's bored of fishing, super depressed. He starts walking back up the path and he's just kind of like wanting, literally wanting to die. He's just at the end of his rope, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just like, you know, God either heal me or kill me. I've given my life to you. I'm ready for this to either turn around or I'm ready for it to stop, you know? walks up the path and he sees these two giant balls of fire in the sky and they're just like sitting there and he's kind of like freaking out and a third one shoots up beside it. And when I say balls of fire, I mean like the size of the sun, twilight. So they're very bright. They're big. And he freaks out. He runs back down. It's nighttime now. My brother's freaking out. Like dad, where have you been? We've been searching for you for hours I saw these beings in the woods. They, you know, and there's just chaos. All the other guys are shouting. The truck is in a different spot. The fire is out. The fishing poles are all loaded up and they're all arguing. Where have you been now to interject right here? We later through like the official investigation and everybody talking and recounting, it turns out my dad was gone four hours. Wow. Whereas from his perspective, he was gone no more than 20 to 30 minutes. So that's kind of like what's significant. The truck was gone. Um, they're like arguing, having this commotion. And one of them says, look, and they look up in the sky and it looks like the stars kind of scrambled around. And then like eight balls of like white light shot down and landed on the other side of the river. They're freaking out. They jump in the truck. They drive off. We later found out that some of the guys in the back saw this being like running on all fours and jump up and grab the truck. And then they drive up out of there and they see more crafts and I really don't it's such a long story it would take the whole you know so i'm going to kind of get through it but essentially it culminated to my dad getting back to the house after them freaking out pure chaos and there's an entity in our backyard this entity is about four foot tall it glows like the pale moon and it looks like it's wearing pure glass so it's translucent it's not like they spoke or anything but they just kind of stood there and looked at my dad and had a triangle on its chest in these bright red that's when it started so I was 13 years old. which crazy. Wow. It, uh, kind of turned our lives upside down. The church shunned us. The UFO world shunned us. So everybody at, did. At,
3: at this point, does, does your family come out and tell everybody about this? And is that, that's what, ha-
6: that's nope. what happens? Mm-mm. So what happened was my dad waited 10 months to report it mm. because he and my mom were like basically fighting so bad about it. Because you got to remember, we were yeah. Pentecostal, okay. like in, in the frame of pentecostal thinking you can't talk about ghosts you can't talk about anything that's not strictly mentioned in the bible there's no such thing as paranormal there's no such thing as aliens that's sinful and if wow. you know if there is something it's demonic right so my dad comes out telling my mom and our family like i saw these beings in the woods they thought he was demonic my mom called a preacher to come and pray the devil out of my dad and i had how to did, watch how did that a work? Little, it didn't work it was terrible yeah i mean my dad was very angry and you know, it was just pure chaos.
3: Wow. I'm
6: sorry. So you had to go through that. Right. Yeah. Well, don't
4: mind me asking who do you report this to? Cause I know you said like your dad waited 10 months or like, you don't just call up the local police department and, and just no. file a police report. Right.
6: No, you don't. So we, we were watching TV and we used to watch UFO files a lot and we saw on there mufon.com. So my dad goes on mufon.com, He types up his like report. He waits 10 months to his send. And then when he hits send 10 months later, within seven days, he gets, you know, a message from MUFON. We're going to send you a packet in the mail, draw what you experienced. Wow. So then my dad drew what he experienced after he got the package in the mail. And then within another week, you know, I'm sure post takes a few days, but like a few days later mm-hmm. within them getting the, the drawings, they're like, we want to send an investigator to your house. Dad's like, okay. They send an investigator to the house. Then the investigator comes, goes back, reports to MUFON. This is an abduction scenario with CE4 or whatever, close encounter, you know, entity encounter is what the report said. And next thing you know, Discovery Channel's on our property, like within months, you know. They got a new MUFON director, James Carrion, mysteriously, and we later found out he was a CIA plant. We later found out that the reason they wanted to kind of hush-hush do this investigation so quickly and throw it under the rug and like basically tell the public we were liars is because they knew it was real. They actually, in our home, showed me pictures as a little kid of entities and crafts identical to how my dad drew. They had records of this from the 1950s. These, these entities approached the government, and they said something to the effect of, like, stop using nuke. You're harming beings and other realities. That's what they told me, like to my, you know, to my face. So they believed us yet they smeared us. Yeah. So the ridicule from that was so just outrageous. We were quiet for five years. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: And then in 2012, my dad sees a lady. He's just asleep one night. It's Easter weekend. Mm -hmm. Three in the morning, he hears a voice that says arise and he gets out of bed, gets dressed. He walks outside and the original entities. Now, I, d- I didn't go into the, like, regression thing, but we found out my dad had four hours missing time. Discovery Channel facilitated a regression, and there were also these seven to eight foot tall entities as well.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And they told my dad all kinds of things, like, we're the guardians of Earth, and we, you know, create life and all that stuff, and we work for God and creation. They said that. My dad walks outside, and those beings are standing there, and they walk him through the woods in our property, because remember, it's six acres. Yeah, And... At some point, when he turns around, there's like this etheric bull. It's kind of like a ghost. And this bull charges through him, knocks him over. He lays down on his back like just a burst of wind. You know, it's not like it was really there. It was kind of floating, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say. He turns over. He gets up, and there's this floating lady. She looks like a white lady with blonde hair and blue eyes. There's a long dress from neck to feet, kind of like Pentecostals.
7: (laughs) And it
6: twinkles like the stars. And she basically says, you know, she's Hathor. She's the mother. Wow. And she starts telling about the age of Aquarius and what's coming. Beautiful. You know, it's all positive. And the UFO world wants it to be all these, like, nuts and bolts and stuff. But it it wasn't that. It never was that with us.
3: We want to keep it positive here today. But, yeah, I mean, because it's very easy to scare. Yet your father had a very positive, right? You would call it almost positive. I'm sure it it turned your, your family's life upside down. What? Yes, but and it was positive it, in the end. At the, in the end, it was positive, right? And
6: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. the the net The negative that we experienced was from outsiders of our family, but the beings, although it was uh, scary at the time, it was because we didn't know what it was. Yeah. But it's not. It's not like they harmed us. It's not like they attacked us. And I forgot to say this earlier. They healed my father of Crohn's disease. Wow. After that night, he never took medicine again. Wow. Yeah, wow. he was healed. And many people have come to our property in private and have been healed of cancers, have had other wow. illnesses go away from interacting with this phenomenon. I mean, we've got lots of people come over and see this phenomenon with their own eyes. You know, Nick Hinton is one of those guys. He wasn't healed, but he did come to our property and see orbs.
3: Wow. So, now, and uh, I heard on Tinfoil that your dad goes, when he goes other places, he can uh, entities show up in other places, not just your property. Is that correct?
6: Yes, funny thing. He actually was hanging out with Tom DeLonge in, man, I can't remember where it was. It was just outside of L.A. at our friend Lori Wagner's house. They're sitting, you know, kicking it on the roof. And with my father, Tom DeLonge saw his, I assume it's his first, you know, craft sightings. You guys know who Tom DeLonge is, right? Yeah, I've heard of him. Like to the Stars Academy. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Been to a couple of his concerts
3: so, back in the day. But yeah. Yeah, a couple we, of his albums. You know? Yeah, I've heard <laughs> But so, yeah. and you keep saying crafts. So, do you believe they're crafts, or do you believe I, it's more of a like? What do you What do you think? you you have said the word craft a few times? Do you believe they're crafts, or do you believe it's more of uh, something else?
6: I think that, you know. I don't know how much time we have. Do we have a while? Yeah, we got time. If you got okay. time, we have time. I have time. Yeah, um, we, have,
3: we have time.
6: Yeah. So, it's kind of a long story. I do believe they're craft. I believe they are also a race of beings. My dad has had some correspondence with like the Vatican, some Jesuit priests. It's a very long story, but for the listener who is not acquainted with this story, check out the book American Cosmic. called American Cosmic, Diana Walsh Pasolka, by Diana Walsh Pasolka. We know her personally, and we kind of like got her in touch with this dude with the Department of Defense, and she went off and wrote this book with you know, about her encounters with him. And the Vatican was involved at one point. Mm -hmm. And basically their research, part of it was reading the ancient manuscripts where when it spoke in the Bible about clouds of glory, where like Jesus will return on a cloud of glory or God rode by night on a pillar of fire. And then on a day, or or excuse me, by day, I just woke up from a nap. So that's (laughs) fine. (laughs) gotta get my head straight it's all good pillar of a cloud by day pillar of fire by night the original word in the manuscript was opening which is like the celestial angelic being that's like a chariot for the gods so that's kind of like what the vatican is at least in our private correspondence what was going on as well as we've met with people with the department of defense like the dude himself from American cosmic. He has the pseudonym Tyler D. He brought some metal to our property and he told us like, it's organic. These, these, this material from these crashes are my alive. God. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. And so my personal wow. take on this is that, you know, these beings are dimensional, they come from mm. like this higher place mm-hmm. and when they come into our realm they can look and act more material more physical you know so them coming into our place there can be some artifact of that transition mm. like you know when they're in this light realm or this light dimension they're not physical right but when they come here sometimes they might be a little more physical than they really are that's my take on things that would make, that makes sense
3: do, what, yeah. What do you think, Mark? I, I love it. I know everything. you're mine. You're, you're... No,
0: I, I love everything you're saying, Ryan. I, I definitely have always had the suspicion that there's something energetic and it's not just nuts and bolts. And I, yeah. I understand that that's a lot of why the UFO community resists your story and resists your family. And I think, really, that's the scientific materialism of our age, kind of. You can see that bias, you know, but the the truth is that there are many beings in this galaxy and and some of them are interested in helping us along spiritually, but there's a sort of, you know, non-interventionalist type philosophy that they have to adhere to. Do Do you think, is that, you know, something you've heard, Ryan?
6: It is. I have heard that. And I think that idea really became popular in the group consciousness by Star Trek right it's the prime directive right it's like you're not supposed to go in and just like appear to these primitive civilizations and what's funny if you know anything about gene roddenberry who's the like creator of star trek he was involved with the have you heard of the nine like the channeling material
3: right yeah Uh, peter
6: yeah was that peter lavinda was he involved with that
3: yeah what is it oh wow i'm not that's cool what is that?
6: No, I'm not like necessarily putting it down or endorsing it or anything. I'm yeah. just, you know, I, I don't know if it's legit, but what I do know about it is the guy who made Star Trek was involved with it. And there were these people who they put him in like these psychic trance states and they just wrote a bunch of material that they say was channeled. And they say it was with being called raw, but it was really like the social memory complex. Mm-hmm. It these nine other entities, very cool stuff. I just don't know if it's genuine, but I will say, when this lady appeared to my father in 2012, she said the hidden one is Amun-Ra. So I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a parallel there. To be,
0: to be clear, Ryan, Peter LaVenda wrote a book on the Nine. He wasn't a participant, but you're, okay. you're absolutely yeah. right on everything else.
6: Yeah,
3: that makes sense. Yeah. So the uh, creator of Star Trek said that he or he tapped into some kind of energy that gave him this the whole story?
6: He was that- there with the people who who did the tapping into, you know, like, I don't think mm-hmm. he channeled it himself. But I mean, he, you, you he pulled pull that
3: information himself. from someone that channeled and that's where he got it from.
6: Yes. And, yes. And know, he put it in the star Trek. Yes.
3: Yeah. And Ryan, you and I spoke about this too, about how I think, and I probably have spoke about it with honestly, everybody in this room about how I believe there is, you want to call it Akashic records, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. There is something above our heads and I don't know yet how you get to it, but I've tapped into it quite a few times where you pull this knowledge and it's like, oh, you're the lucky one to grab this fish out of the water, whatever the fuck it is, and and it's like, maybe it's a uh, a new patent, maybe it's a funny joke, maybe it's uh, I don't know, a recipe, but there's like this knowledge above our heads that I feel like we just everyone every once in a while, and some are way more tapped in than others, and some are not tapped in at all. They go in, they grab it, they pull it down, and it becomes theirs. And I am a firm believer that there is something. Out there, and we all could tap into it. No one's more special than the others, just some in yeah. a weird way figured it out. But yeah, we're kind of tapping it. We're talking about a lot of things that I've been once again, my gut has been telling me for a long time. Ryan, you mentioned that this activity was happening uh, on your
0: property, but it wasn't limited to the property. Your father seemed to be a sort of a magnet for this activity. Do you think time has anything to do with it? You think the geography, the landscape, has anything to do with it? Because when you, we think of multi-dimensional or interdimensional beings, there's this, you know, aspect of time. Like, oh, it must have taken the, taking them so long to get here. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, yeah. they, they're they're transcending time. So, mm. are there certain periods of the year or the day when this activity was happening more frequently?
6: Some years, it tends to pick up on Easter. It doesn't happen every year. Like this year, we didn't have anything extraordinary on Easter, Mm -hmm. Um, but there have been two years that he saw entities on or around Easter. Like once was the lady and then another one, he saw this nine to 10 foot tall glowing being of pure light and, um, you know. That's funny that you asked that, Mark, because Johnny Woodard asked the same question on tinfoil hat. That's oh, that's nice. really awesome. Well, I listened
0: to that
4: episode, so maybe oh, I'm yeah. just repeating <laughs> what I've heard. That's but. awesome. You
6: guys are vibing, man. <laughs> hey, but,
4: Have you seen anything yourself?
6: Yes. That's where I was I was trying to get to earlier. But it's like if I get off track, ask me questions, because this yeah. is 14 years with memories just like bouncing around. But yes, the answer is yes. I was about 20 two or three. And I saw an actual entity. I was conscious. It was like summer of college break, you know, and I'm just like hanging out. It's really late at night. My best friend's over and we're talking, you know, when I was growing up, a lot of my friends were interested in this and they would want to talk about it and see things. And some of them did me and my buddy were looking in the corner of the room and I felt something touch me on the ribs. I, I couldn't see anything there. But I felt a physical hand. And when I lifted my shirt, I had a red print on my ribs. And I was like, oh, my God. Then we look in the corner, and we both saw a four-foot-tall entity. I could tell the height because it was beside my door, and its head was right at about the doorknob. But it was translucent like glass. It didn't have a color. It didn't have, like, these distinct features. It was like a plate of glass cut into the shape of a being with two large round eyes. And then it disappeared. And And I'm telling you, my friend was so freaked out. He looked at me and he was like, you saw that too? And I was like, yeah, man, that's what I've grown up with, you know? And there's been some other things where I see these forms in my, in my like room or in my living room or outside my yard. And it's like light without a source, mm-hmm. just kind of intelligently moving around. Like my fiance and I, um, we're walking out the front door and I saw this very bright or down and into the ground. And I was like, oh, wow, I just saw something. Didn't freak out, you know, used to it at this point. She said, oh, it's probably a plane. I said, no, I mean like in the yard, but whatever. And then we walked down the stairs and then she sees one appear in front of her and just shoot across the yard. And it had this like 15 foot long tail. When I say tail, it's light, but it had like a long streak shot across the yard. She freaked out, man. She's like, oh my God, she's never seen anything before. But, uh, you know, everything else I've seen has been lights in the sky. Or like lights blinking in the yard but kind of far away. I've seen a few things up close, but you know, I haven't seen these full blown like talking with an entity like my dad has, but maybe one day.
0: All right. Great, great conversation with Ryan Bled. So like I said, he's been on the Freethinkers Society podcast twice. So be sure to go back and listen to the whole episode and then the following episode where I wasn't present, but I'm sure it was a great talk. Ryan, Mike, and Clint catching up again. This next clip comes from an episode where Megan Cush, James, and Anthony from We the People Radio were all guests. Now, you know James and Megan from past episodes of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy show. Megan Cush was kind enough to send us a wonderful care package, which I still have yet to totally get through there's a lot of goodies in here I might have this for a couple a uh, couple years and James from We The People who obviously set us up with Megan Cush in the first place they are friends and I was happy to make both of their acquaintance James has been on this podcast back around episode 50 or so I think Well, it's not easy to remember every single one. But either way, James, Megan Cush, and Anthony, who also was joining me in studio that day, this conversation with Megan Cush, the Chrissy Mayer conversation, and the Ryan Bledsoe conversation all happened in the same day. And I was in studio for all three conversations towards the end when Megan Cush was about to come on. Anthony joined us in the studio. So, I've met Anthony a couple times. He's a really cool guy. Shout out to you. Shout out to the We the People Radio podcast. You guys rule. And yeah, man. Here we go. Listen up. Megan Cush. Enjoy. We'll see you on the other side. Connecticut is legal for medical only so we don't have recreational okay. but what's interesting and this is a point I wanted to bring up before is how they've uh, renamed all the strains to sound like pharmaceutical like they've latinized them to kind of
1: separate the what the growers
0: f- and really corporatize them and really it comes from Massachusetts because give MIT, me some examples
1: I gotta hear some yeah examples. I want to hear
0: this I mean yes, give me a break right? I, I don't know them off the top of my head we can look them up but
1: Oh, but, I just, this is really interesting to me. I mean, I'm going to go back to my little weed groups and, like, tell well, them about this Please, I like yeah, I mean, it's line. all
0: centered its all centered around Massachusetts because MIT, right? Okay. They
1: oh, here have we go. really here taken up, I'll, I'll look it up. Because Massachusetts is... You know, just planting the seed for this. Because right. that's... Well, Massachusetts that's so, totally. is recreationally... Monsanto, in my opinion. Like, that's a so Pfizer, cool. OJ. <laughs> <laughs> my friends to do, like, seed things, like, these guys are amazing because of their genetics. They keep Dividend their seeds dank. and man, it's it's such a big deal to them because they're trying to make it all so they're all like GMO, like the, all yeah. the vegetable seeds. They're right. trying to do that to the cannabis well, for all yep. the recreational oh. stores and to be able to purchase even... it. They're trying to make it so you have to purchase it in Washington yeah. State through a certain couple seed banks, which are genetically modifying yeah. all of them. Oh what,
0: but what's, what gross. Mike was kind gross. of bringing up, which is really gross. kind of the insidious side of the you know corporate influence and legalization is what it does to the black market. Because what I've noticed is now you'll see CBD or straight up swag bud being sprayed with a distillate in okay. order to give it a THC wow. flavor and high. But the oh. bud, it smells like a vape cart. It's disgusting when you smoke so, it. It burns yeah, your throat. It's called because, putting
1: hot dog water on it.
0: Right. <laughs> so called hot dog
1: water we, found,
0: here. we found the names. So you know <laughs> the you the, the black so, market is even being so affected. Real quick, you guys got to stuff.
1: remember too, like because this is the number one. Biggest scam that's gone down in the last decade, and I'm like a loud mouthpiece on this one because it drives me nuts. You have to remember that yes, there is amazing CBD out there, that it comes from a fertile female cannabis plant, such as like the Charlotte's Web. Those are fucking unobtainable because you know, every single CBD that you have any access to comes from male hemp. That's what's fucking legal. So think about how much more giving a female is. Everything we can do, making babies, giving feeding babies, all the things that female can do. Then nothing wrong, guys. You know, <laughs> you think about shit. the male's production. But they do
3: not know You're lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm
7: tired of
1: it. It's it's, it's right, a we'll big stay. difference. And so when people are out there you know, searching, reaching for this like CBD <sighs> hope-filled like
4: CBD. It's love it.
1: Fucking dog shit. It's, yeah, the gas shit station that came CBD. in when I very first before it legal shit. was you guys buy products of fucking manufacturing fiber hemp. So like hemp textiles and hemp rope and hemp twine. It was the fucking berry grease shit. It was crude oil. That was the original barrels of CBD that came in. There's a thing on Project CBD called Oil Hustlers. Everybody should listen to it and read it. It's a real breakdown. It's all the guys that were in that scamming 2008, you know, mortgage, like, you know, fall, all that kind of stuff. It's all those guys within that next hustle. Got it all fucking pushed through and corrupt fucking politics push through, but it's fucking male camp. And so it's right in the coattails of all these Charlotte web stories and all these amazing, touching, moving stories. But if you actually try and grow CBD fucking plants, they're the most shitty producing plants, (laughs) fucking nasty smoking, ugly ass land race, looking strange shit that looks like just ditch weed. Nobody wants, fucking spent 20 years as a cultivator weeding out cbd strains before i knew that shit was valuable that shit didn't slap so i no. didn't want it you know that's not what we smoke now what's and stuff your, like that what's
0: your and opinion? why we
1: had some cbd fucking miracle charlotte's web but at all points, it was female cannabis plants, not fucking male hemp, which is all you can buy anywhere. And it's the biggest scam. Right have-
0: now, now, what's your opinion? Because I noticed there, you mentioned land race strains. What's your opinion on land race strains, Megan? Because I, I'm just a novice If you're looking smoker. for CBDs, go for it. Yeah, I, I just wonder, because I know- Actually um, don't get you stoned. Mike told me, Mike told me that you're someone who, who's familiar with Jack Herrera, you know, he's so, well-known in the cannabis community i've smoked jack Herrera's bud once when i was in colorado but i just wonder what your thoughts are on strains and and how how we can be sure because sometimes i buy bud from like black market people and they're telling me you know this name that name and really Stray names it, are shit it's just yeah. like well, I, I
1: i'm part of <laughs> like that. you know i've been in a vending up there for years and. There's a strain up there from Jack Herrera's, one of his end of life girlfriends up there and it's called Jack's Girl. Jack Herrera was a big you know, speaker up at our best events along with like Ed Rosenthal, you know, and all these other people or whatnot, you know. But his, yeah, I don't really personally like those type of strains. They don't grow fast enough for me. I like stuff that flowers quickly and you don't have to deal with spider mites and you don't have to deal with stuff that's gonna take 90 days to flower. I'd much rather be working with a 48 to a 62 day flowering strain just because let's get that shit rolling through. And that's sure. the shit that's fucking smokes good. That's Indica's. Okay. Yeah. And that's all I well, really want to fuck with is Indica's, so really, have, if I'm going to be growing.
7: What's a land race? How do you define that?
1: It's like a sativa. And it's ones that they were sought out in different you know, parts of the country, not country, the world. They're they're prized for their CBNs, their CBGs, their CBDs. They're prized for their medical properties. And these are what, like, what was the name of that show, that weed Strain hunter hunters? show?
7: Yeah, it was he Strain for the, the Strain Hunters.
1: Yeah, and like so that. That was when they were still legitimately trying to find CBD. That's when Charlotte's webb was getting all its fucking traction and everything like that. Before these oil hustler scams of male hemp came in and just barraged it and made a big smoke screen and oh, this is all available now. When and it's not it gas available, and
4: yeah, sell, sell it at gas stations. Now, Mark, I, I'll be real with you. You know, going out to legal states. It really opened my eyes to the strain names. Don't even bother with them; they're nonsense. Anybody can put any name on anything and say it's this, that, or the other, and everybody grows that strain. The cultivator is the only thing that matters. That's really the only thing that matters when you're looking at blood. And if 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 you're looking at strain names, like if like people come in, they like they see the Blue Dream. I'm like, yo, that Blue Dream is boof. Like, don't even touch it. They're like, but it's Blue Dream. I love Blue Dream. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you love Blue Dream, but everybody and their mother grows blue dream like right. they all no, got I mean, it i I look so, at
0: thc percentage when i go to the dispensary but i i definitely am curious to know like what i mean maybe i should be looking at cultivators then because i'm i'm definitely yes. more interested in organic you know bud that's not you know sprayed with anything like i like so, what mike so brought up was they the,
1: still lie about that even the organic is so that's a big thing right now really out here in washington so i was just I reading some of my friends posts here. about it it's obviously some shits going down currently right now with people claiming claiming fake, fake organic fake you know vegan again,
4: all these different types shit, of fake nutrients because are you, are you know, you know really you know they're not putting like the that.
1: money into it they're you know the bottom's, bottom's bottom falling bottom. out on it even in recreational
4: mm-hmm. well my my aunt was a master grower in oregon when she was on oregon leaf magazine she got out of the growing industry because the, there was no numbers anymore she's like you could buy a pound for 200 bucks up here because there's so much product like everybody's growing like everybody Um, that's the problem and there was and and that's part of the problem with it not being federally legal because they have so much stock up there and they 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 legally can't ship it across the country if they could ship all of that product across the country it it might it might lower the price. It, you know it it would it would really be gone like up. that. Yeah, It'd It'd mean, gone I mean, if too. it's legal on the West Coast in nope.
7: Washington, Oregon, and California. You still can't transport it across state lines.
3: Yeah, the federal nope. thing fucks everything.
7: Well, you
1: up. guys have to. Okay, go ahead, Mike. No, no it's, fine. Right. it's fine. I was just gonna say, you guys gotta remember too. They made this like lottery and this license thing such a oh. fucking cash game too oh, that yeah. you have got no real growers anymore out here growing. You know they've all been weeded out. So you have corporate booths that are in there, you know, just corporate wooks have no idea. They've tried to buy people back from the industry that are, you know, we're all medical, you know, award winners and X, Y, Z, but you know, these people that have all that type of money is that they weren't doing this before. So it's so much bad weed out here. It's unreal. That is unsellable. All the, all it, the it corporate is,
4: people care about is, is pound per light. That's all they care about the weed. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's
1: horrible. Yes. And I mean, it's the point where that some of this has grown so bad. That they are, you know, I'm able to get stuff that's supposedly gone to quarantine for the, you know, the trash because it's unsellable. And I get it for my products out the backside and I get 300 pounds for like $300. It's kind of crazy. You know You're what just I mean? Looking at this, some of this bad what it look You know, like? it's, but it's, it's payment, it's, in, it it's coming from a recreational shop. That's the sad yeah. or not soft, but a producer processor because they can't get rid of it and they're letting their son or their, you know, their whatever, somebody's sneaking it out and, it's supposed to be trash because they can't yeah. sell it. Guys, okay, so I'll bring so everything
3: strange. back for one second. So so Mark had to leave. He drives pretty far to get here. But we got Yusef Goff is in the building now. Comic Yusef Goff is in the building. How's it so going? He's t- he took Mark's spot. But hold on, Anthony, you were going to ask Megan something.
7: Yeah, so I mean you have these booth corporations producing this terrible product. And then someone maybe who doesn't really know all as much. What does one look like compared to another like is this dense and like yeah you does know, it look no different Megan? that's a good question like, can
3: you figure it out like is can I, can, I, can I, what can we tell yeah.
1: our, listen, oh, oh, our listeners like, yeah we're we all stoners listeners? you know what a good bag of weed looks like compared to a shitty bag of weed don't you, you know, yeah I, <laughs> I definitely do but i the smell
3: thing is, is crazy right with the, the spray the smell here's something well that- yeah
1: like yeah spraying that on there that's just that's just bougie but they're supposed to disclaim all that on the packaging technically you know what i mean that mm-hmm. so just making sure i guess you're reading your labels and stuff like that and just not listening to the bud tender but, I mean, out here is everything requires a test. And so every single product that goes on the shelves has oh, a wow. test. So sometimes the stuff that's up at, like, really high percentages, you know what I mean, doesn't look that great. And maybe doesn't even smell that great. So it's not always a visual. Wow. You know, we have that backup wow. tool out here. I don't know what they have in all your guys' states as far as testing requirements. But all the stuff out here is required, <laughs> required to have it's testing on each of the packaging, on each of the shelves. So you're going to go along if you're looking for something that – as high CBD, if it has CBN, CBG, it's got kind of it broken down like that, along with the terp reading too. So now that's beautiful. You guys have never... terps
4: out there in Washington. They oh, they test for see. that. Jersey, we yeah, they wolves. test for
1: natural terpenes now, and so that's, you can. That's
4: what they do in Vegas. I love it. I, no, think, it's I think it's awesome. Gonna be Some people have
1: allergic too. things. They don't like certain yes. you know types well, of yes. terpenes and that's stuff. So I, I think that's a really nice added factor. So you not only have that logistic visual, you can also out here. I don't know. I've just never tried to buy weed in a rec shop out here. I don't even know if you can smell it, honestly. I I can't even tell you guys. I buy oil sometimes just to support the shops when I stop in there. But I don't smoke flour. I quit smoking flour in 2011, pretty much. So so really
4: the only way to know
7: is if it's tested. That's that's it.
4: So I talk to Ann all the time on our show. Because out here, they do test the Terps out here, which I love. Because that's when you can really take your cannabis journey and find out what works best for you to the next level. You can find out what terpenes that your body really meshes with. And because that's what really drives the high and gives you that effect that you're looking for. I always wondered why some sativas made me super anxious and paranoid and some sativas made me feel super uplifted and happy. And it was because of the terpenes and people don't realize that those affect everybody differently. So So my,
1: my renters that live up the beach here from me, They do, or they're a huge part of the coordinating for the Terpestival out here, which is a cannabis cup based completely off of terpenes. And so you're not grading for stuff besides the whole terpene profile. And it's a really neat cup. It's a fifth annual that's gone now. It's pretty amazing. That's And it's partially uh, put on by the Ames Clinic, which is a psychedelic therapy clinic up here that's part of University of Washington, too. So it's a pretty cool thing. And they're, like, judge coordinators and event coordinators and like, long time. She's a psychedelic. Therapist for the Ames Clinic. And then her man does, a, he's an extractor and he does a lot of the judging, coordinating, and stuff like that. So it's been fun to be able to be part of that. I sponsored it for a couple of years in a row. And that's, Amazing. I feel like, taking it to the next level. I myself won like over 20 cannabis cups and judged probably 50, you know what I mean, all throughout the years. And a lot of it was so stupid to set up. You had to judge so much stuff in a short period of time, XYZ. The Turf Festival really took it up a notch, I felt like. Right.
3: And I have so many so, questions. Hold yeah. on. I have so many questions. Hold up First thing, bracket up. I, I I know what this is, but one of the three of you here, from either We the People or Megan, can you guys explain to listeners, what is a terpene? I, I would oh,
7: So, the, ter-
1: Megan so the terpene is, yeah, it's a natural <laughs> component that's found in everything, like, from natural fruits and natural vegetables to all growing things. And cannabis has different profiles yeah, that spirit. pick up other ones okay. that are on this
4: other, you know, larger terpene, pro- you know, platform. So a couple of ter- common terpenes in cannabis or like mercine you'll find that in mangoes pine, pionine it, it, or pining yeah, that's where you get that that pine that pine sauce lemon 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 will give you that uplifting euphoric feeling that's where you get that nice head high so that is really it a flavor
3: happy. or is it going to be a feeling I'm just, I just want that, both,
4: both. It's both gonna, yeah. it, it, terpenes are going to give you all your smells like and essential flavors oils of the work. bud, but there's medicinal value. How it hits terpenes. your
1: sinuses, how it hits your glands as you take it in, how it's going to hit your spleen receptors and wow. stuff like that. That's where your terpenes are going to come in. And they all
4: have THC,
7: yes. but they don't all have the same terpene profile. So some people say like the terpenes is what drives
4: the high. Yes. Wow. Exactly. I, I thought I understood
3: terpenes, but honestly, I'm actually happy I asked that question. Okay.
4: That oh, really Mike, cool. you got to watch our show, Weed to the People. We've had a couple long discussions about terpenes. Yeah. Mike's uh, a big fan. Yeah. yeah. I
1: was like, how do we How do we skim on this one real quick? I was, too I was, high like, on I was that last, last
4: episode. <laughs> no, because uh, people don't know when you buy in the black market, you get whatever you get growing up. You know, it's not like you can go to the, go to the store. I have and, a joke
7: like, about that.
4: Find the terpenes that you like, and find out what works best for you. So that, that that there is there is pros and cons to the legal industry. You know the testing is really nice. I will say that, but
1: and they uh, didn't always do terpene testing out here. And when they added that, I thought that was super cool. Oh my goodness.
4: Vegas was the first ones to do it, and I think every state is following suit because every every yeah, every
1: Oregon awesome. does it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. awesome.
3: So here is another question I have for you. I don't I just because I don't want to forget this. So you've you've judged numerous cam- cannabis cups after the second or third time you smoke how do you how are you judging is that real or are you just kind of making it up
1: oh yeah so like i so like if you judge for high times and once you win a high times cup you can always be a judge and always apply to be a judge at any future high times cups and that's how you get a judge high times they do it right they do it proper you have to pick up your judge's kit in person mm-hmm. In you have to pick it up seven days before and they give you a brand new glass piece or if you have a concentrate they give you like a little What XYZ and pens and all the different ones, (laughs) different categories. And then you have a judge's house there. And that's an app you use for High Times or whatnot, too. It's really detailed the way you enter it in. You're supposed to do a lot of the judging of the house, but it's really kind of stupid because you can't bring any guests, not even your significant other, not anybody else, to this judge's house. Or, you know, a judge's rented like Airbnb kind of situation or some house that somebody puts up. And so I never really go to the judge's house Because I usually have somebody with me And I'm just like that's rude You know what I mean And i am not <laughs> yeah. to include them Yeah and just, like that. sorry You All can't right, come and
7: back Just find something to do Yeah like yeah, girl, yeah exactly back.
1: So we uh, usually We're end with up of yeah, like, Everyone like, said they're with Megan in a, in a rental car In the parking garage Of the fucking hotel Because you're flying out Out of state It's hella awkward And you know No you don't get a good chance To judge it Honestly a lot of it Is off of appearance To begin with Because when you have 47 fucking hybrids that's Try what's... in a fucking week You can't <laughs> I mean, it's just like, yeah, you just have to start eliminating <laughs> in a way, and that's horrible, because you know how much it costs to enter high times? You have to have a booth, which is a minimum of $3,500, Then each entry on top of that is $1,500, so these people put $5,000 cash yes. out ahead of time, plus their sample, so to be eliminating some poor mofo for fucking appearance is a fucking shit show, in my opinion, but that's how it fucking happens, because you're just what you're doing. I'm always a speaker, and you're always just having all these events, and all yeah, these it's VIP so wild. Yeah,
3: I, I was an Very honest, in 2003, like and it. it's just wild, and it's just like... It's so wild that I'm like, I think I, I can. Let's
1: familiar- take it to the other end of the spectrum. Let's just go real quick, though, because let's answer your question. So that's the high end of it. That's the best experience yeah. for judging that I've had, except for the Festival. I have to say they did it proper. You had your stuff a couple weeks ahead of time. Yeah, I like that. You wrecked your home with it. It was it was a lot different of a system. It was an online app, too. But let's take it back to the early cannabis farmer's market days, like you know, 2010 or the like 2008 where you have to judge fucking 20 kinds. In yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I guess I'm old. So I'm thinking of midnight, that. Yes. And you're supposed to be able to judge edibles. You have a judge's bag that's got. <laughs> yeah, what is that's what I'm dinner, saying, man. So I guess. I, cannabis yeah. and dabs. And
3: yes. Your Whatever you're going to eat
1: dead. To dead that? it is ridiculous. That's what I'm talking dead. about.
3: You meet some guy you saw in Deadlot and he's like, hey, you should eat this real quick. And you eat that. And I then had, had like, some hey, Skittles.
1: There. Yeah. You're fucking <laughs> like... I remember you for the fish concert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I remember that. Judge this week.
3: Oh, that was it's good. Not weed. Judge's cabinet, but it's still it's like I, I was wondering Okay, so that just makes sense. That the way you said it makes perfect sense. I love that. You know I don't love that you have to tell your friends to go home, but yeah, give them a week's <laughs> time and then like you know, make a fake fucking That's insane. You know, here you get the award, but you need to so- It's Alright. Thank
0: you for listening to this Freethinker Society, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, mashup where I am showing you exactly my favorite moments or maybe some of the more interesting moments of my 10 or so episodes that I've participated in on the Freethinker Society podcast. In this next clip, Mike Romanelli asks me about guests that I've had on the show here, Brian Holtzman. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back. I've had several comedians on the podcast, Tino Sanchez, Brian Holtzman, Matt McCusker. Technically, Sam Tripoli's been on the show for the birthday episode, but every other time he's been on the show, it was actually an episode of his that I uploaded to this feed. So we've had several comedians on the show. I think even actually Seb Bland said he was a comedian too, so shout out to you, Seb. Maybe there's others that I'm forgetting, but we are not limited to just talking about conspiracy, spirituality, alternative history. I'll talk to anybody about anything, and I love talking to comedians, so here we go. Oh, and by the way, Clint Esposito, producer of the Freethinker Society podcast, is a comedian, and... He's also a badass uh, motocross circus uh, circus motorist. I don't know the proper term, but he's a he's a carny. So Clint's a badass dude. Uh, enjoy a little talking shop with Mike and Clint and I, and I'll see you on the other side.
3: You had one of my favorite comedians on. You had Brian Holtzman on. How'd how it go? Yeah, actually, matter of fact, I think that episode just came
0: out uh like a couple minutes ago I scheduled oh, it Yeah I scheduled it <laughs> If you're listening Yeah that episode's probably been out by now But yeah Brian Holtzman was on the show It was a little awkward You know I'm not a comic But I'm a fan of him uh, mm-hmm. In a big way So at first I was a little starstruck But <laughs> it was very, it was very interesting We got into a little bit of his traveling And then he confessed that he'd been to the pyramids in Egypt Oh you know? shit so I'm like, well, we've had a guest on the show before who's been to the pyramids. And, oh, wow. And he saw a UFO there, Brian. What do you think of that? Have you ever seen a UFO? And then Brian went on and told us about why he's suspicious of UFOs and thinks that they don't exist. So mm. yeah, it was a very interesting take from, from Brian. He kind of had an old man uh, <laughs> take on UFOs, but I didn't expect it. Yeah, you know, he yeah. said... His point was, how come they only go and you know appear in front of some idiot on a farm? How come they don't fly over New York City? And I was I was thinking, well, they appeared over Phoenix. They've appeared over Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Many oh, Angeles, places right? in you know, Los Angeles, places in Asia. I didn't want to, you know, argue. I, not argue, but he's much older than me. I wanted to be respectful and not like tell him he's wrong. You know, so we just went into other things. But yeah, it was very interesting conversation. He told us all about his travels to India because he's staying with an Indian family right now in Texas. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a good time. He's he's a character when he's not trying to be funny, he's pretty hysterical. He's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. That's I would think that about him. I only know him as a comic, but I would think that he's just always funny.
0: It made for a great episode. But I mean I've only had people on to talk about certain topics. But with Brian he's Actually, crazy. When you watch <laughs> him do stamps, so I figured like well, this is appropriate for the My Family Thinks I'm yeah, Crazy. Podcast. It's a perfect
3: person, he, you know.
0: The yeah. funny
4: thing is, by his like face, if you just saw a picture of him, you would never think that.
0: Yeah, he just seems like he looks kind of like my grandpa. To be honest, <laughs> He's a very similar look to my grandpa. Same hair, same clothing <laughs> style. You know, it was it was very much like talking to my grandparents. That's but, awesome. Yeah, it was funny. That he is awesome. he commented on my buddy living in Saint Augustine. Who knows maybe Holtzman's gonna move to Saint Augustine, where it is he really loves Saint Augustine, Florida.
3: Oh yeah? Yeah. But Well, hold on, you said about the UFOs. What do you think about UFOs? Do you think they're do you what do you where do you sit on that?
0: I've always been fascinated, you know, but as I've grown older I've become more suspicious. Yeah, I mean, right. Now I'm starting That's to think like to you know, it's like it's almost like the punk rock thing like these things you know punk rockers they seem so like anti-establishment and now they're all like oh yeah get the vaccine and you know stay locked up and all this stuff when covid started right Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with ufos forever ufos were this fringe oh don't talk about them you're crazy that made it interesting. But now, over the past five years, it seems like the government's like, well, yeah, we have to fess up, there's UFOs. And that doesn't make me think like, oh, finally, they're gonna tell us the truth. It just makes me think like, oh, well, they set that up from the beginning.
3: This is what I think will happen with UFOs. But I do think you're right. I think it's much more boring now. Like, Yeah, it was it was a lot cooler when it was like, but now it's more boring because it's brought up a lot. But I think two th- one or two things are, is gonna happen. It's either gonna be Project Bluebeam will happen, <laughs> That's what I mean. Right?
0: I don't know if it's boring, but or, I'm, I'm like, I know what I f- think I figured it out. It's blue beam.
3: Yeah, it's that. Or they're just going to be like, yeah, we've been telling you about UFOs. And they're just going to be like, we've had this technology for blah, blah. They're mm. unidentified flying objects, and they're going to show us saucers. And they're going to say they've been around for a long time. We couldn't know about the technology. And mm. they'll have some kind of propulsion that they've had. You know, I think one of those two things will come very soon. Mm. I don't know about the extraterrestrial life. If they start talking about that, then I think Blue Beam's coming very soon. Right. But if they just talk about these vehicles or they talk about, you know, the, the the objects in the sky, which it seems like that's more of what they're showing us, like radars and things, and they keep calling them UFOs, they're not really talking about alien life at all. Yeah. In the news. Well, whenever we get
0: into the conversation of aliens, you gotta get into the conversation of space. And I'll say this, you know, again and again. I'm not a flat earther, but I'm also not a round earther. Yeah. yeah. But personally, when I look at what you can find about NASA, everything you find out about NASA, they don't seem like a trustworthy group of people. I don't. How believe, dare you! <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe anything they say about space. So I think it's more likely that aliens are using these crafts to get to places underneath the ocean, mm-hmm. places inside of volcanoes, yes. places inside of caverns, places where it's really cold and humans can't. Deep exist. in the ocean. You know, to me, I feel like the shape of the earth really ultimately doesn't matter. What's the end game there? Nothing. If I find out that the shape of the earth, you know, but really with aliens, there's an end game there. Because if we find out who or what or how these things exist, you know, it gives us more information about who we are, where we came from, and what we're doing here, I think. Because there's a lot of people that want to tell you that no, humans are the only thing right that's what most people would assume when yeah. you go to school that's what you learn yeah. like humans that's it we evolve from chimps that's it mm-hmm. then you take the alien equation in and there's two approaches you can say well they're from some distant planet and that's how you can explain their high technology because it's from this planet that we can never even go to so who knows it's all imagination right right whereas yeah. If we really consider the true history of these sorts of uh, events and phenomena, you see that over and over throughout history, many different cultures have stories of flying craft, beings from other places, Mm -hmm. beings who use the stars to point a location. You know, we have groups of people like the Dogon in West Africa or in the polynesian islands there are tribes of people who know about sirius b a planet that you can't see with your naked eye you need a modern day telescope and they knew about it without the invention of the telescope so to me that points that yes there are highly advanced beings outside of the range of our traditional understanding but I'm not convinced that they come from far away. I think that's the trick. I think the trick is getting people to think that we're insignificant to them. They come from this big, fancy, imaginative place. And don't worry about us. We're not special. When the truth is, those beings, maybe they're us from the future. Maybe they're using technology from our distant past. Right. These are the mysteries that connect back to us as human beings. And I think that's where you find yeah. the rewriting of history and the roadblocks and the disinfo and the propaganda mm-hmm. when it comes back to who we are, what we're doing here and why yeah. those three questions. That's and I think aliens kind of fit into that equation somehow. But there's when you're t- listening to a guy like John Brennan or one of these talking head, you know, or military industrial dick bags. You know, they're not they're not someone I trust when it comes to multi dimensional, -dimensional interdimensional beings. You know, when I've read about these things even before the CIA and the military, United States military had all the technology they had, there was people in the eighteen hundreds who were channeling beings Mm -hmm. that were according to the beings themselves from other planets. You know, and our understanding of planet, I mean It's just really, it's a word. I mean, we we see these things in the sky, but I don't know if we've been there. I'm not convinced. All right, welcome back. Next up on the Freethinker Society mashup and the last clip of the episode is from my conversation with Mike Romanelli and Rain, Little Rain on Instagram. Shout out to you, Little Rain. This was an interesting conversation about the Schumann Resonance the Schumann resonance, frequency, and our electronic universe. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being here. On the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. We love you. Right. And we have this yeah. whole theme of duality throughout our mythos of uh, sun Absolutely. versus moon. Yep. And, and yep. this one yep. culture, you know, The empirical parasite culture that's spread itself across the planet wants us to believe that there's just power from the sun and not the moon itself. And and forget the feminine, forget the moon, forget all that wisdom, right? So when you ask me like what I think the sun is, I think the sun is the archetype of the divine masculine of creation. And the moon is the archetype of the divine Feminine of creation and in the microcosmic way of our earth being this all there is for us, just like the universe is all there is, right? One verse, you know, I think that that is where I find the esoteric meaning lies when you can understand where humans fit into the origin of it and kind of, I guess, even deeper how that can be seen in, in the patterns that are around us today in our natural world. And, and just looking at the qualities of the sun and the moon, it seems to me like there's a lot more anomalies than there are truths in the scientific explanation for what the sun and the moon is. But when we go to the spiritual explanations for what the sun and the moon is, which there are varied and many different explanations. I think there's wholeheartedly more truth I found in those places rather than in the, you know, Neil deGrasse in Tyson. That, in the text, yeah, the textbooks or the,
8: yeah. man. Mm-hmm. I just find the word anomaly so interesting because if there is data that shows something outside of the data, that means the hypothesis is incorrect. So a hypothesis, uh, if you make a correct hypothesis, an anomaly should tell you that your hypothesis is not correct. So I find it very curious how we just label in an anomaly and we just throw it to the side, when that actually should be guiding us towards looking for a deeper understanding, if that makes sense. So I find that very interesting that you say anomaly. That always gets me that I see data sets all the time and there's anomalies. And they just throw it away, even though it's a part of the data set. And that happens a lot when you look at the scientific community when it comes to understanding the way the universe and planets and all those things. Mm -hmm. To me, if I saw something that came up constantly, but it had nothing to do with what I was looking for, I would go deeper and look deeper into that. But with the scientific community, what they do is they just label anomaly and forget it. So I like to deep, dig deeper into those things, which is kinda how I got into what is what is going on with the moon, what is going on with the sun, what's the cycle of the moon? What's the cycle of the sun? What's going on in the cosmos? How does that fit into how I feel? What's going on? The universal shift, what's happening? So I I try to take the anomaly approach and look at the world from that perspective, which is why I found this solar eclipse so fascinating because the solar eclipse happened on the 10th, and I read the Schumann resonance, so I was like, okay, there's a lot of good energy here, and it stopped on the 11th, and there was a blackout for five days straight.
9: Oh, on the region, no
8: information. Yes. Really? There was a, yeah, there was a blackout for five days. They tried to find other sources in other countries to replace the data, but there was no reading. Was so no we're five there, days after who, the
9: eclipse. Who, who is taking the reading and where does it come from, if you guys don't want to ask me? I'm very so, interested in it, but I don't know where, like where is it actually coming from?
8: So the, the Schumann resonance uh, is recorded in Europe, The time zone is very interesting. How I look at it, I kind of see it as like a splash in the pond. So the reading gets read and the information is put out there and then the frequency like vibrates through the earth. That's kind of how I see it happening. Yes. If that makes sense.
9: But who's so, actually, who's measuring it is my, my thing. Like who's, like when we see that, when we go online and we see those, my wife is constantly watching that. I know you posted it. And I'm very interested. Totally believe it. But where's the actual data coming from? Do you know that, Brain? There's a, there's a
8: pictograph. It's kind of complicated. Okay. So I I just go to the Twitter account to make it easier for other people. Because yeah. there's a Twitter account called Shoo and Bot and they post every couple hours. So I just watch that and get the reading from there because you can watch it live and it's just more complicated and it's easier to explain what's happening to people if I just grab it from the Twitter account so that they can see it. And time, people can't even read that and it's it's taken me quite a bit of time to understand, at least for me, what that means and how that feels. So it measures the Earth's frequency, the heartbeat Mm -hmm. of the Earth. And it lets us know what's happening with the low frequency in the earth. Yeah, so so I look at how that affects the day and how that affects me. And that's how I've learned to read it. That's how most people would read it who's, who's paying attention to it.
9: Okay. But yeah, so I, I I've seen that we've had all kinds of, especially since the pandemic, right? That thing has been going crazy, right? Yeah. So my question was more, and I'm not doubting it because a lot of people I trust, uh constantly talk about it i'm just wondering where the info is coming from like who who is actually putting that like where are we getting it from is my question i guess
8: there's a lot of different observations like scientific observation places around the world that are measuring this sometimes they use it to measure um earthquakes yeah they use it for multiple different things Okay. But the way that I interpret it is I look at it to view the what's happening in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I take it. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of different reasons for that information to be present. It's just some people look at it for spiritual purposes. Some people look at it for science. So it just depends.
9: Yeah. Um,
8: I just use it for the way that I, it makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. for, there's a bunch of different ways for how it's used. That's just and how I take it.
9: No. It's also, isn't it true, like, in the last year, maybe two, that we've seen some, um, there's been some data on the on the scales that have, like, never happened before?
8: There has been a lot of high frequency. So the extremely low frequency of the Earth has been very high. And whenever it's high, at least for me, I see a lot of things happening. The frequency... Uh, the frequency depends how it makes you feel, like when it's very high frequency. I know some people get extremely tired. Okay. Well, for other people, it makes them really excited and anxious and busy and they want to run around. That's how I take it. So it really depends on what makes sense to you and how you interpret it. But there's a bunch of different ways that it affects people.
9: Now, are I just you think at how
8: it affects me or... Yeah, how
9: do you notice With people? yourself, do you notice certain patterns with the, the the frequency and how you're feeling?
8: Yeah, exactly. So basically after looking at it for weeks, I took note of how it makes me feel during the day. I've learned how to read it for myself. So when I see it's high, frequency, high low frequency, I know that it's going to make me very exhausted and tired. I'm going to want to sleep
9: all day. Okay. okay. For other
8: people, they get extremely excited. But I've noticed for a lot of people who are more spiritually inclined, it makes them feel drained.
9: Right. Okay. That makes sense. So
8: I always tell people to look at it and learn what it means for them. Yeah. Because it can help you learn more about yourself. So I learned when the low frequency in the earth, the heartbeat of the earth is really loud. I get very tired. Well, For some people, it makes some people very excited. So for me, I find that very fascinating. I don't know what that means, but I'm watching it and I see how it affects people. Yeah. And it's always the same.
9: That's awesome. Which means there's something there. Mark, so I find are, that fascinating. I don't do, know. You, do you notice anything with their with insurance the residence?
0: Well, I mean, as far as intuition goes, yeah, I go to places where I know the Schumann res- resonance is potentially stronger than others. I seek those places out, per- like with with really no planning. I think it's really intuitive because I don't know how you know if there's a guide for that that I've found yet other than just, you know, here and there, people mentioning, oh, this place is sacred, this place is sacred. I know Brad Olson wrote a book, uh, 108 Sacred Places in North America. I should probably get that. But I really don't think it's restricted to just, you know, the obvious sacred places like, oh, the, the megalithic spots or, you know, where there's a historic something that happened of significance. I think really the the feeling that you can get will guide you towards a place where the Schumann resonance is strong. If you really seek that out, but, but yeah, no, I mean, as far as, as much as rain was able to get into, no, no, I don't have much else. Yeah. You haven't like
9: watched it like on Twitter and, and like, and seen you know, the spikes, with certain events and... Oh, well, uh, that's,
0: yeah, that's, I mean, that's like the random number generator thing. That I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, they've linked that to the Schumann resonance in a way, but I wouldn't say that those two are the same thing. It's, uh that is more of a concept of consciousness, right? So the random number generator is happening in the same way that any art of divination happens right when you put that kind of mathematical possibility of infinitude out there it's not going to give you randomness. It's going to give you a pattern because there's nothing in the universe that is random. Everything follows a sacred Fibonacci. It's just like we were talking about the other day, Mike, yep. with the stocks. Yep. It's like yep. you put those amount of numbers and those amount of causes, it creates this concerto, this sea of, of change rapid that doesn't create random noise it creates a pattern so yeah when 9-11 happened they noticed a spike in the number generator when anything else significant happens they notice a spike in the number generator but we as human beings you know that whole concept of of one percent of us can change the world that's all Mm -hmm. that is if enough people get everyone's attention for one percent of the time you can change the world
9: yeah that is it man that's fucking amazing um, so do you, you're talking about energy in different spots, so I could give you guys something. So I, a couple of years ago, I, I did an awesome trip to Sedona, right? And I went to every, um, vortex or every vortex, at least that I could find. And, and I went to most of them and meditated, even had my daughter meditate. She was like, I think she was like three or four. Whatever, she was pretty young, but she was meditating. Some pretty cool pictures of her sitting on these vortex meditating or just playing. One thing I saw that was really freaking cool, and one of the locals told me, yeah. So, so the certain, some of these trees would actually, their trunks would, would have a swirl to them and they were growing in a swirl like that, like the vortex actually shifted their, their, their trunks. If you could look this up and find it, is, why and like right where these vortexes are these tree trunks are literally like somebody like twisted them (laughs) really crazy also where the vortexes are if you just once you start meditating you really look at the rocks i mean you will the the mountains you will totally totally start seeing like what i would call I, i guess like cherokee style or apache style or just like chiefs let's say like their heads in the the mountains it was really wild and it wasn't just me it was like my wife and other people would notice it too like the more you start gazing into the mountaintops, you would see like native american like silhouettes and, and and faces in the rocks it was really wild yeah
0: really really interesting
9: stuff mark any vortexes or any energy place like that around our area
0: well i'll say it's funny my most recent eh, not most recent but last week i had aurora on my podcast aurora is better known by the flying rainbow lasagna. She was on Tinfall Hat a, a month or so ago. And we had a conversation, a really great conversation, and lasted two hours. She just kept, you know, adding more, 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 really took our breath away. I mean, it was a whirlwind of information. But I asked her after we were done recording. I said, well, you mentioned you're you're in Woodstock. Do you still live there? She said, no, I, I don't live there anymore. But that place is a sacred mountain. That place is a sacred vortex. And just like I had told you guys before about how, well, I kind of just go out and I intuit. You know, if, if I find a place it feels right, I go towards it. So almost a year ago, mid-pandemic, I was in the habit of just like taking random drives and listening to podcasts and, and that was, uh, you know, a fun thing to occupy my time. So I wasn't as busy as I am now, but, but one of the things I did was I drove out of Danbury, Connecticut towards New York over the Hudson river. And I started heading North and where did I end up? I ended up in Woodstock. I ended up on the exact mountain that she had told me a year later is a sacred you know, mountain with lots of energy, right? So, yeah, I think that the the message I guess I'm trying to give people is there are so many places that you might not even know are sacred, like Bear Mountain in Connecticut is very strong energy. Another place that's been on my mind recently is Makamutis State Park in Connecticut. It's funny. Where was it? So I've been there, I've talked about it, and then within a few days of talking about it, I see in a book... Today in Barnes and Noble, it was an indigenous healing book, and it was a shit book. Like it was one of these Barnes and Noble prints, yeah. you know, that they put at the the bargain rack in the beginning of the store. So, but, mm-hmm. but I looked through it because I'm like, oh, okay, Indian medicine or what did they call it? Indigenous medicine, the proper way to yeah. call it. Um, let me let me tell you something. Hold on, let me
9: backtrack you real quick. I've spent a lot of time with indigenous people, Eskimo, into uh, let me, one thing that they most of them will tell you especially the, the elders, they don't give a flying fuck.
0: Right, 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 right.
9: They're like, you can call us whatever because we have our own language that you'll never and whatever you guys call us, like call us. At least that's the elders. I don't know about the younger ones, but any, anyway, I'm talking like elder chiefs and, and medicine people, they always share the same thing. Like, call us whatever the hell you want to call us.
0: Right, right. And I, I only point it out because I think it's just like, uh, it's a shame that we don't know.
9: No, we should have a correct name. Indian is so lazy, but yeah, I know.
0: Well, it's also like, yeah, generalizing to a large degree. So, But back to the reason I, I brought it up, it, in that book about medicine, in the back it was like sacred places in North America, and one of those sacred places is the cave I just described, Makamuda State Park, and it says, used by the Wag- Wagunk tribe this medicine site was the home of the spirit hobomoko who was believed to chase away evil spirits with his boisterous roar actually the roaring sound was the result of earthquakes oh okay well let's just pretend it they didn't say that last part the habama spirit in makamuda State park <laughs> very cool stuff wow yeah
9: this is not related but since you guys do make your way up here sometimes so in morristown where we are where the dojo is located it's a really it's pretty it's got a lot of history this area and one of these days guys we should early on i should take you to this place called jockey hollow and uh it's like where washington had his troops and i know it's not it's a different type of energy but you could get some crazy i could take you guys up some 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 trails and some we go for a hike and you'll pick up some really different energy out there. I have friends that, you know, their parents will go out there when they were kids with metal detectors and find all kinds of crazy stuff from the Revolutionary War. I mean, there's still, like, there's, like, bunkers out here and all kinds of stuff that Washington's troops stayed in. And I know you guys are super intuitive, so we could, like, go out there and, and just get, kind of get lost, and you'll feel some, some, some heavy energy, man. Because you know, you're talking, the Revolutionary War was right here.
8: Yeah, that would be fascinating. I'd love to do that. Hikes are so important to in tune with nature in any way, or, any way, shape, or form, whether it's a hike release, or use a walk. It's so good to, get, to even take your headphones out. One of the things I've been trying to be atten- intentional about is going for a walk and just hearing nature. Yeah, without headphones, headphones, right? On, or we're talking to someone or we're listening to music and just listen to the wind the birds all
9: that stuff i've been doing the same thing i'm taking my headphones out stop listening to podcasts stop listening to the concerts that i want to hear and just like listening to the river listening to the wind listening to the birds it's so important it's like why it's like you forget like that's why you're out there